question. How many of you love potholes in your life? Man, you love it. Like, you hit a road, and you look in front of you, and you're just like, whoo, it is full of potholes, and, and it's like, you know, that kind of a thing. Or you have to slow down, you have to swerve, and, and, and not only that, but maybe there's enough where you're going to hit a couple, and you're going to get a flat tire, you're going to break a tie rod, you're going to bust your axle, and it's only going to cost you $3,274 to fix that. How many of you just love potholes? All right, Greg loves potholes. Everybody else, you hate him. All right, good. Thank you. The truth is, potholes are annoying, aren't they? Potholes are a problem. They cause damage. They cause issues in our life. They are a mess. Now, you're probably wondering why I bring that up. Well, I'm not going to tell you yet. I just want you to think about potholes for today, and I'm going to come back at the end to bring this into the mix, all right? So just think about potholes, and here we go. So my family and I, Laura and I and our three kids, we have a dog. Uh, her name is Daisy, and she is the most low-maintenance dog that you could ever want. It is awesome because we do not like high-maintenance things in our lives. It doesn't matter if it's high-maintenance people, high-maintenance animals, high-maintenance potholes. It doesn't matter. We don't want them in our lives. And so Daisy is a wonderful dog. She's a golden retriever. I have a couple pictures of her so you can kind of see what she looks like. Here she is. Uh, Daisy is amazing. All right. Daisy is one of those things. Uh, she's one of those dogs that she's just like, she's just chill. You know, you, you know people in your life who are chill, right? They're just chill. There she is, right? I know. In that, we only show pictures of dogs so we can kind of, mm, right? And just feel warm and fuzzies in there, right? And so this, that's Daisy. Now, the reason I bring that up is because when we got Daisy, she was three years old. She was three years old. So we didn't get her as a puppy. She got three years old. So she grew up her first three years of life in the country, Okay, where she could just run and go all over the place. Well, when we brought her to our house, when we got Daisy, we thought, okay, we've got a very busy road in front of our house. We've got people walking by with dogs. Some of those dogs are really nice like Daisy. Some of them are not nice dogs. Have you, you know some of those nice, not, not nice dogs? Aggressive dogs? You just look at them and you're like, yeah, they're going to rip my leg off. Like, I just know it, right? You think that and sometimes they turn out to be nice, but eh, sometimes we're right. And so we figure we got to protect Daisy. So what we need to do is we need to put in one of those invisible fences, right? And so this is how an invisible fence works. Some of you have dogs and you know this. You have an invisible. Some of you don't. You're like, what's that? So an invisible fence is a perimeter that you build around your yard that is a boundary. It's, it's kind of like a, a barrier, but it's invisible. And then the dog wears a collar. And if the dog crosses that boundary, the, the collar goes, just, it doesn't hurt him, but it shocks him. It's like, mm, oh, I don't like that. Okay, so stay away from the boundary. The reason is because we don't want Daisy running into the road. We don't want Daisy, uh, Daisy running after an aggressive dog, whatever the case is. So this is for her protection. So what you do is to teach the dog, you put these little white flags all the way around the barrier on the, on the boundary line, right? All these tiny little white flags. You stick them in the grass all the way around. So we had them all the way around the backyard, all the way to the side yard, all the way to the front so that she knows that the barrier is, right? And then we put the collar on her. Now, again, Daisy is not an aggressive dog. So we put it on the lowest setting. The lowest setting is like it, it won't even shock the dog. It just beeps at him. Like, you're not going to get a shock. It just beeps. It's just like, hey, you shouldn't go there, remember? And it's like, okay. So, so what we were told is you take the dog out on the leash and you kind of take them up to the bear so that they, they hear that beep. Or for some dogs, they get a little, 
no, don't go near the white flag. So this is what happened. We had the white flag set up. Got the collar on her, put her on her leash. We're going to take her out. Teach her where the boundaries are so that she can be safe. We got her out the back door, the patio door. And I kid you not, as soon as she saw those white flags, she ran back inside. She just like, who, I can't remember if Laura or I had the leash. I don't even remember. But one of us had the leash and she just dragged us back inside. We're like, she's had a previous experience with those white flags. <laughs> right? Clearly, she would not even go out on the deck. And the, those white flags were another like, I don't know, 50, 60 feet away. They were on the edge of our yard. She wouldn't even come outside. We're like, okay, she had a previous experience, bad experience with those white flags. And the truth is, it took us another hour just to get her back outside on the deck. And then it took us a few days. That we, we, we took the collar off after a while because this dog was not going to... We took the collar off. We left the white flags up so that she knew the boundary because we needed her to learn her boundaries. And so, but we finally got her to go to the patio. She wouldn't even go on the grass. And uh, I'm just saying, how many of you want to clean up a dog's stuff off the patio? Mm right? Grass is bad enough, but if you have to scrape and spray, and uh, you get it, right? We don't want to do that. So we had to get her into the grass. It took us quite a while to get her in the grass. Why? Why did that happen for our dog Daisy? The reason is because Daisy believed a lie. She had been taught a lie. Now it came from reality. It came from something that really happened to her, truth that happened to her. White flag, shock, pain, no, no thank you. We weren't going to give her pain. We just were trying to teach her some boundaries. So she believed a lie that in this moment, because she had a bad experience previously that was reality, now that truth from there extended to this moment, in, but in fact it was a lie. We weren't planning on hurting her. We weren't even planning on shocking her. Those white flags, though, told her a lie, and it kept her chained without anything physical to the back of our house. She believed a lie. Something that was not true. Something that wasn't going to happen, but she believed it. So why do I bring that up? Because today we're going to continue what we've been talking about, which is the most critical battle in your life. It's the one that you have to win in order to have a life that is free and full of God's love and grace. It's the battle for your mind. Today, we continue the series, Winning the War in Your Mind. And what we're talking about is how to battle and how to do battle and how to win the thought life part of your life. How do we win up here in winning the war in your mind? Now, if you've wondered, if you got, you've heard this before, it's because you have. This series comes from this book. Okay, Pastor Craig Rochelle wrote this book called Winning the War in Your Mind. Yes, we kept the same series title. All right, and uh, I used a different graphic because I liked the, the brains of the boxing gloves better, okay? But winning the war in your mind, just so that we're clear, I want to give credit where credit is due. All the content for this series is coming out of this book. It's a phenomenal book. The other reason I highlight this book and show it to you that I physically have this book in my possession. I've read this book. It's really, really good. You will not like this book. How's that for a selling point? You won't like it. You will not enjoy it. You know why? Because he digs into your thought life and he says, your thought life is messed up and this is how we're going to fix it. Ooh, how many of you like, yeah, let me, give me that book. You're not going to like it, but it's probably one of the best books you'll ever read. Next to the Bible. It's amazing. 
I highly encourage it. It will get you to realize some of the lies that maybe you've been believing in your life for a long time. So winning the war in your mind, that's what we're going to talk about. So last week we kind of talked about the most critical battle in our life is our thought life. We have to win in our thought life in order to win some of the other things because nothing you do happens without this. It has to start here. If I raise my hand, it started in my brain. If I'm saying these words, it started in my brain, right? Some of you are like, well, that's what's to blame then. That's the problem, okay? Yeah, I get it. But nothing, you literally, you can't do anything without it starting here. It has to start here. And so we need to make sure that this is right, that your thought life is right. So we have a key verse that we're using for this series. It's Romans 12, 2. Listen to what it says. It says, don't copy, don't follow the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you. That's more than just change. It's a deep level change. Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's what God wants to do. He wants to change your life by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Why would you want to know God's will? Here's why. Because it's good and pleasing and perfect. That's a pretty high bar. You want to know God's will for you? Which is good and pleasing and perfect? Then we have to allow God to change the way we think how we view ourselves, how we view God, how we view other people. He wants to change that, transform you. Just like it says on the front of Craig Rochelle's book, he says, change your thinking, change your life. That's exactly what God wants to do. He wants to change your thinking so it will change your life. So last week, as I said, we made this point that that the most critical battle in our life is in our head. It's our thought life. So what I want to do is for the next four weeks, today and then the next three weeks, we're going to look at four different principles, one each week, as you can see, that Craig Rochelle lays out in his book that we can use to win the war in our mind. And so this week is going to be principle number one, next week two, three, four, and so on, right? So it's pretty easy. So today is principle number one, and this is what it is. It's called the replacement principle, and it very simply has two parts that have to go together. The two parts are remove the lies, replace with truth. Remove the lies, replace with truth. So let's kind of separate those two parts and talk about each one, and then we'll put them back together at the end, okay? So let's start with removing the lies. How do we remove lies in our life? Well, the first thing you have to do, if you're going to remove a lie that you believe in your head, if you, there's a lie that you believe in your life, the first thing you have to do to remove it is you have to identify it. You have to know what it is, right? Because can, can we all be like honest here today? Sometimes there are lies in our head that we don't even realize are lies, right? There, have you ever like Somebody tells you something, or have you ever seen those memes where they say, hey, did you ever know that this is what this was made for? Like, like the pop can lid thing, you know, the, the you know, thing. What do we call that? Tab. That's what it is. It's a tab. See how my brain works? Sometimes it doesn't work. Okay? The little tab, you know why they do that? So that you can spin it around and put a straw in there so it doesn't float up to the top. It holds it in. Did you guys know that that's why they did that that way? I didn't either. My brain was like, whoa. I've been doing this the whole time. I hate straws anyway, so it didn't really change my life. But uh, my brain went, wow, so cool. I don't care, but cool, right? 
There are like those things when we all of a sudden lies that we believe, things that we didn't understand, that we didn't know, and all of a sudden it blows our mind. There are lies in your life. You have to identify them. So how do you identify lies? The way that you identify lies in your life, you start asking some deep questions about your life. For example, let me ask you a question. This is not really going to sound like a deep question, but it is. It's going to sound like a very surfacey question, but it's not. Okay? The question is this. What is something in your life that you have stopped doing or stopped even trying to do that you know you should still be doing? Something healthy. Maybe it's a godly thing. Maybe it's something that God wants you to do. Maybe it's reading your Bible. Maybe it's whatever it is. But think about something that you have stopped doing. You have not, you're not even trying anymore. And now let me ask you this question. Think about that. What, what's, what's something in your life? You've ne- you never do it anymore. You never even try it anymore. Okay? Now let me ask you this question. Why? why? Why don't you do that? If it's healthy for you, if you know God wants you to do it, why have you stopped doing it? The answer to that why is quite possibly, in fact, quite likely tied to a lie. You believe you don't have time to do it. It's a lie. You believe that you're not good enough. You tried it, maybe you embarrassed yourself and people laughed at you, so you're not going to try it anymore. This is what happens sometimes to people. This is why people don't pray out loud sometimes. If I asked you, how many of you would raise your hand and say, you're scared of praying out loud in front of people? Most of you would probably raise your hand. Most people don't pray when I'm at the table. They're like the pastors at the table. For sure I'm not praying. I'm just a guy, just a dude, right? I can't even think of the word for the top of the thing on the can, right? It's a tab. Now I know. Couldn't come up with it. It's fine. You're good. But we believe lies. We believe that we're supposed to measure up to everybody else around us. And so we hold ourselves. We put on a mask and we keep, we keep ourselves safe. And we make sure that they don't see the real me. I'm not going to try that. I'm not going to do that. And if they really knew why I wasn't going to do it, it's because I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to fail. I don't want to look like an idiot. And the lie tells you you're not worth it. You can't do that. You tr- Remember when you tried it last time? Everybody laughed at you. You can't do that, so never do it again. And some of you never have. That's a lie. See, we need to identify the lies that are in our past because a lot of times our lies come from past hurt, don't they? They come from past hurt. Isn't that true? Past hurt leads to lies. We believe that that past hurt is always going to happen in the same situation. People do this with church, don't they? How many of you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you know somebody who will not walk in the doors of church because they were hurt by someone in a church at a time somewhere long back in the past? How many of you know somebody like that? I know a lot of those people because I've invited them. And they'd be like, oh, <laughs> no, no, no. And they usually don't, they can't, usually can't even tell me the story because it hurts so bad. Now, let let me tell you this. Let me ask you these questions. That hurt that that person experienced, is it real? Yes, of course it is. That hurt that that person experienced, does it matter? Does it matter to that person? Should it matter to us? The answer to that is absolutely. It's hurt. It's pain. Of course it should matter. 
But here and now, let me ask you this question. Is it true that because they experienced hurt from a person in a church at some time in their life, that that means that all people in all churches in every situation they're going to be in is going to be evil and hurtful? The answer to that is no. We know that. Deep down we know that to be true, but that's a lie that sometimes we believe. We could use this illustration for everything. If you have abuse in your past, by percentage, we have a ton of abuse that was, is represented here. A lot of you were abused in your past. By percentage, it's just true. Abuse tells you you're not worth it. That's what abuse tells you. Is that true? No. But that's what it tells you. See, we have all these lies. Depression, what does depression tell you? You know what depression usually tells you? If you suffer from depression, depression tells you you're the only one. Nobody else deals with this problem. Why can't you figure this out? Nobody, and, and have you ever seen people look at you like, why can't you just get out of this funk? Have anybody ever, have, has anybody ever looked at you like this? And be like, what's the problem? Why aren't you coming to dinner? And, and re you really want to say is, because I don't want to. And maybe it's because of the person asking. <laughs> but in reality, maybe you're just like, I don't feel like it. And you don't want to have to explain yourself. See, depression says you're the only one that feels that way, and it isolates you and puts you in a silo. But that's a lie. You're not the only one that feels that way. Percentage-wise, there's a ton of people that feel lonely and depressed, just like you. But we never find that out because we never get past the lie. Rejection. What does rejection say? Rejection says you're never going to be loved. Is that true? No. That means that person mistreated you and rejected you. Was that wrong? Sure. Of course it's wrong. But what does it tell you? Does it tell you that everybody's going to reject you, that you're not loved? No. That's not the truth. That's a lie. See, lies, just because something was reality at one point in your life does not mean it's going to be reality for the rest of your life. In fact, I just, I just saw a couple of people in here who I know their past life has been all about abuse and, and rejection, and, and now they are in a situation where they are fully loved, fully known, fully surrendered, They got past the lie. They believed a lie for a long time. And they didn't believe they could trust another person again or another situation again. But they stepped out of that eventually. And the truth is powerful. Now, let me ask you this question. Where do lies come from? Do they come from you? Or do they come from somewhere else? Where do, where do lies come from? Where do they, where do they come from? Lies come from a very specific source of evil, and his name is Satan. I know, it's very weird. When I, when I say the word Satan, when I say the name of Satan, when I say the devil, a lot of people are like, we're going to talk about Satan in church? Well, for sure, if we want to know the power of God, we also need to know what is trying to keep us from the power of God. Right? And Satan, his whole goal is to keep you from God. He, wants, he does not want you with God. And so we're going to talk about Satan. We're going to talk about the devil. In fact, you know what the devil is? We know the devil's evil, 
But do you know what else the devil is? The devil is a liar. Jesus himself is the one that tells us this. Listen to what he says in John 8, 44. He says, he, Satan, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he, when the devil lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus is really kind of saying, Satan not so much lies as so much as he is a liar, he is lies. It's kind of like you've heard the phrase, God is love, God is truth, Satan is lies. Not only does he lie, but he is lies. His his character is a liar. That's who he is. He, that's literally who he is. That's what, these are Jesus' words. So here's what I'm going to do. This is, this is kind of like a, we were joking already. Uh, Joe and, and Kelly and I were joking around, and, and they were throwing some things at me and making some jokes and all stuff. I'm like, and then I started talking. I'm like, man, that's a whole other sermon. And I'm like, maybe we'll just do two today. And they're like, they nervously laughed because they're like, maybe you will. <laughs> You guys are awesome. I love you. <laughs> right? But, but, but the truth is, I'm going to do a little tiny mini sermon for five minutes right here. This is, this is a whole other sermon, but I'm, I'm just going to hit it really, really fast. Okay? In his book, Craig Rochelle, he talks about three reasons why Satan lies to you. And, and I, I, didn't, I didn't have time for this, but I, I was like, ah, I can't leave this. So we're going to do this really quick, okay? You're going to want more than this. At some point, I'll go back and I'll preach it. Remember, we did a whole series on the devil. Seven weeks we preached about the devil. That was several years ago. At some point, we'll do it again. It was one of the most powerful series we did. But let me do just five minutes, okay? Five-minute version. Three Ds, three Ds, why Satan lies to you. Number one. He wants to divert you from your purpose. He wants to divert you. He wants to get you off mission, off mission. What's your mission? What's your purpose in life? Your purpose, your mission in life is to glorify God. That's your mission. That's your purpose. That's why you're here, is to point yourself to God and point other people to God. Divert your purpose. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to divert you from your purpose. Okay? The second thing that he wants you to do is he wants to distract you from God's voice. So think about this. Progressively, this makes a whole lot of sense. If he gets you diverted from God's purpose, which is to love God, love people, if that's your purpose, and if he gets you off that purpose, the next thing that he wants to do is he wants to distract you from God's voice. Why? Let me just ask you this question. If you're running away and you're going in the wrong direction and you're not loving God, you're not loving people, Whose voice is going to be strongest trying to pull you back in? That's God. God's voice is the one that's going to be strongest trying to rein you back, pull you back in and say, hey, remember, I'm here. I love you. But you need to love God, love people. Here I am. I'm right here. Open arms, ready to go. Satan doesn't want you to hear that voice. Because if you hear that voice, you might run back to God. Satan doesn't want that. So he's going to distract you He's going to divert you. And then the third one is he's going to destroy your potential. He's going to try to kill you before you ever get to that point where you actually serve God. He wants to take you out now. So let me try to illustrate this. So in Africa, there's two sets of animals that we've probably all heard about, lions and hyenas. Did you guys know that they are mortal enemies? 
Lions and hyenas. The reason is because they battle over the same food source and the same territory. And so this is well documented. We know this is true. When lions come across hyena cubs, you know what they do to them? They kill them. They don't eat them. They just kill them. And then they leave them. When hyenas come across lion cubs, you know what they do? They kill them. They don't eat them. They just kill them. And they leave them. You know why? They're destroying the future potential for struggle. That's exactly what Satan does to you. He gets you to believe a lie, and then he feeds you more lies, and he then expands that lie, and he adds to that lie. Why? So that you never even get to the point where you surrender to God and realize the potential that you were made for. Satan wants to take you out before you ever even get there. This is why Satan lies to you. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. You were created You were made for a reason, for a purpose. It's unique and special. You are like no one else in all of history. You're like no one else will ever be in all of history. There is a reason, there's a purpose why you are here to glorify God, to love God and love people in a very specific way. Because some people, they don't want to hear me talk, but they'll listen to you all day long. Seriously. You, you, think, you, you think, no, no, I can't talk like you and all kind of stuff. That's great. You're not supposed to talk like me because I'm going to reach some people, but there's a lot of people. You know what? There are some people when I start talking, I can just see it. Their eyes are like, oh boy, here we go. Here he goes again. I'm done with this. But if you start talking, you talk to them about God, they're going to lean in because you were made for that. You were made for that moment. Do you believe that? Or do you believe the lie? Do you believe the lie that you're not special, you're not unique, and God couldn't use you? Don't believe that lie. God made you for a reason, for a purpose. All right, so how do we defeat these lies in our life? We have to remove them, absolutely. But then we can't just remove them. We have to replace the lies with truth. And specifically in this case, God's truth. We have to replace the lies with God's truth. So God is willing to see you live in the truth. But the truth is, and you're not going to like this, this goes against every American ideal out there, but you don't have the power to defeat the lies yourself. I just destroyed every self-help book you've ever read. You are strong. You are powerful. You can do it. Self-help books are awesome. They're not. You know why? Because they're lying to you. I'm serious. Self-help books are the most popular thing on the planet these days. And we have more anxiety, more depression, more messed up, more addiction, more loneliness, more of everything that is bad and negative and hidden than we've ever seen. By the way, this is actually asking people and telling us how everybody feels, and that's what they're saying. This is not just ethereal, like, eh, it seems worse. No, the people are telling us this. Every survey. Self-help books are lying to you. Because the self-help books are saying, you are worth it. You are worthy. You are awesome. And I'm saying you are worth it and you are worthy, but not because of your own power, because you're awesome and you can handle it, but because God is awesome and he put all of that in you. But we have to surrender to God so that we can receive the power that he has for us. 
In fact, we're told this in Scripture. Listen to what it says. When you accept Christ, what happens? Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me. I just tackled a lie that you believe, and that is I don't have the same power that God does. That's a lie. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have put your faith, your trust, your hope in Jesus, that's a lie. You actually do. You have the power of the resurrection of the dead. Scripture. That's what it says. You have the power to defeat lies in your life. Not because you're awesome and because you read 12 self-help books every year. You have the power because God gives you the power because you surrender to God and then he lays it on you and says, man, this is going to be awesome. Let's do this together. We're going to win this battle together. Let's go. God's truth. This is why Christianity has never been about behavior modification. It's always been about life transformation. Transformed life leads to changed behavior, not the other way around. Life transformation. The lie is that we believe that we can do this on our own. And God says, no, you can't. But trust me, with me, you will definitely be able to do anything. Have you heard that verse? With me, nothing is impossible. For with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Because God gives you the power. All right. So I could keep going, but we're going to just... I'm going to jump to the end, okay? Let's put these two together. We have to remove the lies. We have to replace those lies with truth. You need both. You can't do one or the other. You have to have both of those in this, for this principle to work. You can't do one or the other. Remove the lies. Replace it with God's truth, okay? Now, you remember what I brought up in the beginning? The thing that I showed you, what, what did I show you in the road uh, before? Just say it out. Let's go. What did I show you? Potholes, right? We love potholes in our life. Right? Now, here's that same pothole. Let's use this pothole as our illustration today for the lies. Okay? Let's just say this signifies this battle that we have in our life. Okay? If you look at that pothole, let me ask you this question. Okay? If you're looking at this pothole, if I were to say, okay, I need to remove the lies. Let's say that the lies are all the stuff in the pothole and has created this pothole, right? And so we're going to clean the pothole out. We're going to remove the lies. We're going to get all the grit and all the gravel. We're going to get the rocks out of there. We're going we're to get all the, the water out of there. We're going to dry it out. And we're just going to, oh man, look, that pothole is nice and clean and it's great. But we're not going to replace the pothole with anything. We're just going to leave it. We just remove the lies, but it's still a pothole. Now, let me ask you this question. After a few days or a few weeks, what's going to happen to that pothole? What's going to be in there? All kinds of stuff. All the lies have returned. They've seeped back in. Satan says, oh, good. You removed those lies? I have a thousand more to make you believe you're not worth it to make you believe you can't do this. I'm going to just refill that pothole with as many lies as I can. And all of a sudden, you come back, and what happens, at least in Wisconsin, when you get lies in that pothole, especially water, right? What happens when we hit, like, December, January, February? What happens to the water? Is it nice liquid form? No. 
Some of you are like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> You're in denial. <laughs> okay, I hear you. But what happens in Wisconsin? That water, it freezes. And what, you know what it does? It expands that pothole. It creates new cracks. And it even expands to make new potholes. This is exactly what Satan does to us sometimes. He says, oh good, you removed that lie and now I'm going to fill it with a hundred more. And he expands the pothole in your life. You're like, why isn't this working? Why can't I find the right person? Why do I always get rejected? Why do I have this? Why am I not good enough? Why, why, why? And all of a sudden we're believing these other hundred lies and it's because we removed the lies but we left the pothole. The truth is we have to replace it with truth. But let me just say this. I, I, I'm picking a lot on self-help books today. I don't know why, but let's just, let's go there. All right? Let's just, I don't know why. Let's roll. Let's roll with it. Okay? Sometimes we replace our potholes when we, we remove the lie, and then we replace it with our own truth. Have you heard the phrase? A lot of people will say it. A lot of TED Talks I've heard. You speak your truth, and I'll speak mine. You know what that is? That's not truth. If it's true for you, but it's not true for me, it's not true. If it's true for me and it's not true for you, it's not true. The only thing that transcends that, you know what, by the way, you say you speak your truth, what you're saying is you're just packaging an opinion as truth. Mm -mm. That's why we're in all the mess we're in today. Because we're shouting at each other and social media and everything else, and we're claiming truth, and it's really just an opinion. We have a lot of people claiming opinions as truth. What we need to do is we need to replace it, not with an opinion. We need to replace it with the only truth that transcends all truth, and that is the truth of God. Because what happens is if we fill the pothole, if we pave the pothole with not God's truth, but our own truth or somebody else's truth, you know what happens? I can show you what happens here. This is exactly what happens. Take a look at this. This is, this is a pothole that has a patch. Have you ever seen patched potholes? How many of you get excited when you see pot, patched potholes? I'm like, eh, sort of. But what do we all know? After December, January, February, March, and the snowplows hit that thing about 12, 15 times, what happens to that pothole? It's, all, it's still there. We've tried to fill it with truth that's not going to be strong enough. That thing's going to be a bigger pothole, and now we've added to the potholes. We've just kicked the can down the road just a little bit, but we have more potholes, right? Why? Because we filled it with our truth. We filled it with somebody else's truth. That truth is not going to hold up. It's like a patch. We all know what's going to happen to that. The lies are going to seep in. It's going to freeze, and it's going to crack, and it's going to lift that patch right out of there. And that patch is going to become gravel. And then we're going to pay more taxes for the street cleaner to come clean that up. That's awesome. Now, I'm not saying that sometimes on a road level, maybe a patch isn't what we need to do. You understand. I'm not taking this to the absolute. But I'm saying in your life, don't patch. Don't patch with truth that's less than God. Don't patch it. You know what we need? We need God's truth. And you know what happens when we fill, when we remove the lies and we replace with God's truth? Let me read for you the scripture that tells us what happens. When you give your life to Jesus, when you accept Christ, this is what it says. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone, anyone, every person, all, it doesn't matter what country, where you're at, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 
New power, new grace, new joy, new salvation, new forgiveness, new everything. You are made new. And I don't know what about you, but when you kind of see a pothole and you see a patch, it's like, that's a sad fix. But what we really want is we want a really brand new paved road, right? That's what we want. How many of you like driving on a brand new paved road? Oh, man, I do. Man, how many of you are excited for, I think it's next year, when they're going to do uh, County Q north of Wanakee? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm just longing for that day. Because, I mean, you go out there. I, I lose pieces of my car every time I'm on that thing. You know what's going to be awesome is when they kind of fix most of that road, there's going to be a part that's like bumping, and then we're going to hit the new road, and it's going to be, uh, how many of you sigh out loud when you hit that part of the road? I do, and I just go, oh, yes. It's almost like cookies for me. (laughs) God wants to make you new. He wants to make you new. He doesn't want you to be a patch. He doesn't want you to just get by. He wants you to live in joy and freedom. A new road. Smooth. It's not going to be perfect. There's going to be curves. There's going to be a stupid squirrel that still runs across your path. But he wants to make you new. So let me go back to where we started. Remember my dog, Daisy? In fact, I have a picture of her again. There you go. See, I just have to show her a picture again. Isn't that great? Isn't that just make you kind of warm and fuzzy inside a little bit? And by the way, she is really fuzzy, like hairy. Leaves it everywhere. But she's, she's as sweet as can be. Now let me ask you this question. You don't have to raise your hand, but just let me ask you. How many of you want Daisy to run free? Like to just go out and we let her fling the door open and she just starts running and she's chasing rabbits. She loves to chase rabbits. And, and rolling in the grass. And you know what Daisy's favorite thing is? We let her out on the deck. And as soon as she hits that line, you know, because the sun, our, our house faces south, and the sun kind of hits that part of the deck. The other part is shaded. And so she walks out just past that shadow part. And she hits the sun. And you know what she does? She doesn't go, to, she doesn't go potty like she's supposed to. She doesn't do her number twosies, as we sometimes say. She just hits that part of the deck where the sun is. And she's just like, Phew, And she lays out. And she's like, this is the life. You can just see her just soaking it up. Some of you are like, I get it. (laughs) Soak it up all you can get. How many of you want Daisy to live free like that? And by the way, did Daisy get to that point at our house? Yeah, because that was like six years ago that we got her. She she lives free now. She's just like, oh, she'll run out. She loves it. That's exactly what God wants for you. He wants you to live free. He doesn't want you to be be chained down by these white flags, this this past pain in your life. He doesn't want you to live in that. He wants you to live in freedom. He wants you to live in joy. He wants you to live in salvation, in forgiveness, in grace. He doesn't want you to live in lies. He wants you to live free. Free of addiction. Free of rejection. Free of abuse. Free of loneliness, despair, depression, anxiety, 
God wants you to live free of all that. What he invites you to do is remove the lies that you're believing and replace them with the truth. Let God change your thinking so that God can change your life and live free. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us, for dying for us on the cross. If there is maybe somebody in here, I kind of get the sense that maybe there is. Maybe there's a person, maybe there's several people in here, possibly, that they've never chosen to follow you. Maybe this person has gone to church most of their life, but they never made a personal decision. They never made the actual choice to give their life to you, to follow you, to believe in your death on the cross and resurrection from the grave. They've never made that choice for themselves. Maybe today's that day. Maybe they want to choose to follow you, Jesus, today. Remind them that it's, it's very simple. All they have to do is, is admit they're a sinner. God, I need you. It's too powerful for me. Believe in you, Jesus. Believe you're real. Believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave. And then commit their life to you and say, I'm going to do my best to follow you. Not perfectly, but I'm going I'm to do my best to follow you all the rest of the, my days. God, if, if they simply would declare that to you today, they, they give their life to you. They become followers of you, Jesus. Freedom. Free from lies. Living in truth. But maybe there's also some other people in here that maybe even more of us. We, we've believed in Jesus. We believed in you for a long time, Lord. But Lord, maybe... Maybe in this moment, there are some people who they know they've been believing some lies in their life from their past, maybe from recently. And they've been living in lies. They, have, they, they haven't been living in truth. They've been living in lies. And it's holding them back. Somebody opened the patio door and they wouldn't even run out. They've been, they've been living in fear. They've been living in depression and anxiety and addiction. God, remind them all they have to do is remove that lie and replace it with your truth. Your truth, God. And you want to give them freedom. So God, as we end today, may you remind us that you are God. You are the truth that gives us life. So help us to live and walk in that truth today and every day going forward. We pray this and we ask this in your name, Jesus, amen.